Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus and his gospel factors into every story. If you've missed any of them, search through the podcast or vlog for the studies on the books of Genesis through Ruth. As we continue God's story, which is really our story, I am changing how we go through the bulk of the rest of the Old Testament. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, the historical books get a bit confusing as the timeline isn't straight. My goal is to, as for the next studies, is to do them in historical sequence. So we'll bounce around the Old Testament, but the stories will make better sense. Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible, and we'll find him everywhere as we go along. Um, you'll also see how the Old Testament sets us up for the New Testament. And I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies along with podcast playlists on my blog. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart and eyes and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. First Kings 4 and 5, Solomon built a kingdom and the first temple of God. Now, after Solomon cleaned, cleaned up his father David's loose ends, and we read about that in First Kings 3, he goes about the business of setting up his monarchy, his government. This is Israel's golden years. God's promises are being fulfilled. The temple will finally be built. It all starts with a solid foundation. Let's dig in. First Kings 4, Solomon's cabinet. King Solomon now ruled over all Israel, and these were his high official officials. Azariah, son of Zadok, was the priest, or the, the high priest. Um, Elihoreph and Ahiah, the sons of Shisha, were court secretaries. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was the royal historian, royal scribe. Okay, he kept all the records. There was no video back then. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was the commander of the army. We met him in the last chapter. Zadok and Abiathar were priests. Azariah, son of Nathan, the prophet, was in charge of the district governors. Zebud, son of Nathan, a priest, was a trusted advisor to the king. Ahishar was the manager of the palace property. Ador, uh, Ad Adoniram, son of Abda, was in charge of forced labor. So he was the foreman. And yes, forced labor, that means they were slaves, yes. Solomon also had 12 district governors who were all over Israel. They were responsible for providing food for the king's household. Each of them arranged provisions for one month of the year. And then it goes on to list the names of the 12 governors. And I'm going to let you click on over to my blog or click over or open your Bible to um, 1 Kings chapter 4 and read that center part and all those names. And there'll be something interesting to look at that when you, when you uh, we'll, uh, we'll get there in a minute. 
Okay, Solomon's prosperity and wisdom, verse 20. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They were very contented with plenty to eat and drink. Solomon ruled all over the kingdoms from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt in the south. The conquered peoples of those lands sent tribute money to Solomon and continued to serve him throughout his lifetime. The daily food requirements for Solomon's palace were 150 bushels of choice flour, 300 bushels of meal, also 10 oxen from the fattening pens, 20 pasture-fed cattle, 100 sheep or goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roe deer, and choice poultry. Solomon's dominion extended all over the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River from Tipsha to Gaza, and there was peace on all his borders. During the lifetime of Solomon, all of Judah and Israel lived in peace and safety. And from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, each family had its own home and a garden. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for his chariot horses, and he had 12,000 horses. The district governors faithfully provided food for King Solomon and his court. Each made sure nothing was lacking during the month assigned to him. They also brought the necessary barley and straw for the royal horses in the stables. God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else including Ethan the Israelite and the sons of Mahal, Heman, Calcol, and Darda. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from cracks in a wall. He could also speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Okay, so the year is 967 BC, more or less. Israel is the most powerful nation on earth. Here we have Solomon's government, his cabinet and governors. Now, if you clicked on over to read the names of the governors, you may have noticed that the geographic areas exactly didn't follow tribal boundaries. This was non-traditional and yet a very wise move. Verse 20 is a fulfillment of the promise God made to Abraham in Genesis. It's the golden age of Israel as boundaries went, went all the way up to the Euphrates River in what is today Iraq. Solomon became known as the wisest man on earth. His fame started to spread and that's without CNN or social media. It's interesting that the author of this historical account, which is thought to be the prophet Jeremiah, mentions the two kingdoms yet to be, Israel and Judah. That's how he knew them. This separation will happen with Solomon's sons. At this time, Israel is united and at peace. Next, he starts to build the temple. So we're, we're in 1 Kings 5, preparations for building the temple. Now, King Hiram of Tyre had always been a loyal friend of David. 
When Hiram learned that David's son Solomon was the new king of Israel, he sent ambassadors to congratulate him. Then Solomon sent this message back to Hiram. You know that my father David was not able to build a temple to honor the, the name of the Lord his God, but because of the many wars waged against him by surrounding nations, he could not build until the Lord gave him victory over all his enemies. But now the Lord my God has given me peace on every side. I have no enemies and all is well, so I am planning to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, just as he had instructed my father David. For the Lord told him, your son, whom I will place on your throne, will build the temple to honor my name. Therefore, please command that cedars from Lebanon be cut for me. Let my men work alongside yours, and I will pay your men whatever wages you ask. As you know, there is no one among us who can cut timber like you Sidonians. Um, Sidon is another of the towns up there by, by Tyre. When Hiram received Solomon's message, he was very pleased and said, praise the Lord today for giving David a wise son to be king of the great nation of Israel. Then he sent this reply to Solomon. I have received your message and I will supply all the cedar and cypress timber you need. My servants will bring the logs from the Lebanon mountains to the Mediterranean Sea and make them into rafts and float them along the coast to whatever place you choose. Then we will break the rafts apart so you can carry the logs away. You can pay me by supplying me with food for my household. So Hiram supplied as much cedar and cypress timber as Solomon desired. In return, Solomon sent him an annual payment of 100,000 bushels of wheat for his household and 110 gallons of pure olive oil. So the Lord gave wisdom to Solomon just as he has promised, and Hiram and Solomon made a formal alliance of peace. Then King Solomon conscripted a labor force of 30,000 men from all Israel. He sent them to Lebanon in ships, 10,000 every month, so that each man would be one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Um, Adoniram was in charge of his labor force. Solomon also had 70,000 common laborers, 80,000 quarry workers in the hill country, and 3,600 foremen to supervise the work. At the king's command, they quarried large blocks of high quality stone and shaped them to make the foundation of the temple. Men from the city of, of Gibal helped Solomon's and Hiram's builders prepare the timber and stone for the temple. Okay, so Tyre was the southernmost city in Lebanon to the north of Israel. It's just ruins now. And if you click on over to my blog, the picture in the top is of Cedars of Lebanon. Notice the bold passage, verse 5, bolded in the blog if you're reading along. Solomon was building the temple not to house God, but to honor him. No building can ever hold God. He could never be held in an earthly structure. And God used Gentiles to help him build the temple. Not a single workman died, got sick, or injured for an endeavor this size that is amazing. It could only be the hand of God. It was wise to have the men who were bringing the wood from Lebanon work in monthly shifts. One work one month and spend two months at home. They built a solid foundation. Check out the video at the bottom of my blog of the archaeological dig at the city of David, which is right adjacent to Jerusalem, um, which shows the foundation stones. Notice how huge they are. As we go along, 
I'll find some more archaeological videos. I am aware of a recent discovery from Herod's temple uh, era. A solid foundation. So our solid foundation is fear of the Lord. Well, that's awe, respect, love, and obedience. When you become a born-again believer, you become one of the foundation stones of the church. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. As a believer, you become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus ascended to heaven, you know, in the resurrection, 10 days later, he gave the disciples the Holy Spirit. That's in Pentecost, and it's, in, uh, it's from Acts uh, chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is a gift Jesus gives everyone who accepts him as their Savior. Our bodies then become temples of God. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 16, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Well, have you invited Jesus into your heart yet? He won't force your, himself into your life. You have to invite him in. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, he wrote and he, to us, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. It's time to get right with God. So what are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. There's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. And in the bottom of today's blog, like I said, I have a video, it's a short video, it's about 10 minutes, of the foundation stones of the Temple Mount. And I'm going to dig up some more of these. Pun? Yes, pun intended. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times, but know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. 
Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory.